please join me once again in taking out your Bibles and turning to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. Let's ask God for help as we spend time in His Word. Oh, Father, we thank you that you have not left your people alone. You have given us your word and spirit to guide us and direct us home. And we thank you, Father, that uh, you have given us faith that we can stand on every promise of your word. But, Father, um, we do believe, but you know we also don't believe. And so, Father, would you help us? Would you give us the eyes of faith, the ears of faith, the mind of faith, the heart of faith, and hands and feet that work out that which you are working in us by faith? Be pleased, Father, to give grace to your people, all who are willing to believe. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. An example, a model. I think it's pretty common that we are told, hey, you need to set a good example. Hey, you need to model this or model that. You know, don't set a bad example, set a good example, we're, we're often told. That's, that's pretty common, but what is not as common is this. Find a good example. Find a good model. When you find that good example, follow that good example. When you find that good model, model yourself, your actions, your thoughts after that. Now, are you in need today of finding and following a good example, uh, not just with anything, uh, not with woodwork, not with, um, I mean, you fill in the blank. I mean, are you in need today of finding a good example of something, a, a model for something? But not just a hobby or even a, a job skill. Are, are you looking for a model or an example of what I think most of us would say is the most important thing in our lives? Faith. You know, we meet people and they say, yeah, my faith is the most important thing in my life. My, my faith. Well, I've got some good news for all of us today, some really good news, because in today's text, Luke is going to set before us a good example. He's going to show us in this story of the healing of the centurion's servant what faith in Jesus Christ looks like. Now remember, the very beginning of Luke, Luke set out his purpose and plan for his gospel. He's written, we read an orderly account so that his readers then and now may have certainty considering concerning the things that they've been taught. You see, Luke was doing that to his patron, Theophilus. He's doing that for us now, that we would have certainty 
on the things that we've been taught about Jesus. And that's what Luke is doing from beginning to end. He's teaching us about Jesus, the object of the Christian's faith. I want us to look back at where we were two weeks ago. At the end of chapter six, at the end of the Sermon on the Plain, remember those pictures, not just of the the tree and its fruit, but of the two houses, the two houses. Remember, one is built on a foundation. The other is not built on a foundation. One, as it were, is substantial and the one is superficial. Remember in verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. With those images of the two houses, Jesus is showing his hearer what something is like. And today, Luke is also going to show us what faith is like through the story of the healing of the centurion's servant. Remember, as Jesus describes these two houses, one built on a foundation, on a rock, the other built on the surface, they both experience the storm, the rising water, the flood. They both experience the same circumstance. One stands, the other collapses. And the sermon ends, as you heard a couple of weeks ago, it it ends with no editorial comment but really only the sound of the crash, the sound of the collapse. And Luke is now, as it were, going to provide editorial comment on this sermon, the Sermon on the Plain. Well, let's now listen to the reading of Luke 7, 1 through 10. After he, that is Jesus, had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent him elders. He sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him. For he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, They found the servant well. Well, I want us to begin with verse 9. Verse 9, the marveling of Jesus, the astonishment of Jesus. There's two times in Scripture where we read of Jesus marveling. Once 
It's in his hometown of Nazareth where in Mark 6, 6, we read that Jesus marvels at their unbelief. He's astonished. He's amazed at the absence of faith. He marvels that faith is not present. Yet here, here, this marveling of Jesus, this astonishment of Jesus it is due to the presence of faith, to belief. And of all people, it's coming from someone outside of Israel, something, someone, a stranger to the promises, a stranger to the covenants. So Jesus marvels both at unbelief and Jesus marvels at faith. He marvels, is astonished, is amazed at the absence of faith and the presence of faith. Well, in this story of the healing of the centurion servant, Luke shows his reader then and now what faith looks like. Luke is, is, is wanting his reader to see that faith looks like Firstly, knowing what Jesus can do. Knowing what Jesus can do. And secondly, humbly approaching Jesus, trusting him, and living in submission to his word. So Luke is going to, in this story, Luke is going to show us what faith in Jesus looks like. It looks like knowing what Jesus can do, and it looks like humbly approaching Jesus trusting him and living in submission to his word. So Luke starts off, this is what faith looks like. What knowing what Jesus can do. Look at verse three again with me. When the centurion heard about Jesus, the news about Jesus, what he was doing, his teaching, his healing, the word about Jesus had reached this centurion. Now, who is a centurion? Well, it's, it's not so correct to say a Roman centurion because Rome is not going to put centurions there until AD 44. It's most likely he's employed by the army of Herod Antipas, a Roman installed ruler of that region. He's not Jew. He's a Gentile. And he's in command of a hundred men. He's like a captain in the army commanding a company. And a centurion in that day was the go-to guy. He made things happen. As he will say later, he understands authority. He's under authority and he's got authority. But the centurion is here in occupied Israel. And he had heard about Jesus. And we'll see in a moment how he responds to this knowledge that he has of Jesus. Now, before we move on, this is a good time to ask this question. We've heard about Jesus too, right? And what do we know about Jesus? What do we know about who he is and what he can do? What, what do we know about his promises? I mean, Jesus has just given this illustration of what? The person who comes to me, hears my words, and does them. I'll show you what he is like. 
Someone who's built on the foundation of Jesus' words, his teaching. And, and Luke is going to unfold more and more of who Jesus is and what he can do. He heard about Jesus and he's going to respond and we're going to look at that in a moment. But in view of this coming right on the heels of Jesus' illustration in his sermon and right on the heels of the fact that it just ends and now Luke begins with this story of the healing of the centurion's servant and the faith of the centurion. We've got to ask this question. What do you do when the flood comes? What do you do when the waters rise? You see, for this centurion, right? He has a servant who is sick and at the point of death. And, it's, and, it's, and this centurion, it's even communicated that he loves his servant. He has an affection for his servant. And this loved one, this valued one, is at the point of death. That's a storm. That's the rising of the waters. He had heard of Jesus and he's going to respond and ask Jesus to come and to heal his servant. So what happens to you when the floods rise? What happens in the storm? Is your house being built on that foundation of the word of God, being built on the foundation of Jesus? What happens when anxiety and worry and fear over a job loss, a loss of finances, relationships that are breaking apart, suffering. Do you recall the promise that God knows what you need? Do you rest on that? Do you recall, like Paul says, that God will supply all my needs in Christ Jesus? Do you rest on that? For those who look back in their life with regret at something that happened in the past, do you recall what God says to the prophet Joel about God being able to restore the years that the locusts have taken? Do you recall that Jesus has promised to never leave you nor forsake you? Do you recall that Jesus says if you're burdened and heavy laden to come to him? Do you, are you building on the foundation? Interestingly, based on what he has heard about Jesus, this centurion is going to build his house on a foundation of who Jesus is. But the story doesn't, doesn't end, as you see, with a statement about the, the centurion being aware of Jesus. But Luke is going to go on to tell the story of what this centurion does in response to his knowledge of Jesus. So we see that faith looks like not just knowing what Jesus can do. He's heard enough to say Jesus can heal. Faith is humbly approaching Jesus, trusting him and living in submission to his word. So what does he do? How does this centurion, this man 
in an army commanding 100 men, how does he begin his approach to Jesus? Well, you notice in verse 3, he sent to him elders of the Jews asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly saying, he, that is the centurion, is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation and he is one who built us our synagogue. And in response to that, Jesus is going with them. He enlists, he knows Jesus is a Jewish rabbi. He figures, hey, I'm going to talk to those who can talk to Jesus. This, This rabbi who is teaching and who is healing. And they... They have a great deal of respect for this Gentile, this non-Jew. He not only has affection for his servant, but it appears that he has actual affection for the people, the Jewish people. He, he was paid well in those days. Enough, it says, that he built a synagogue. He's what many would say is a God-fearer, one who acknowledges the God of Israel, but he's not yet ready or willing to become, as it were, a Jew. And notice how they describe him. He's a good guy. He asked them to just get word to Jesus to heal, and they they build up the case that this man is worthy, Jesus. He is He has done whatever's needed so that you, Jesus, will respond to his request. What does it say? He is worthy. But the centurion must have had second thoughts. The text doesn't tell us, but Luke, in telling us the story, is wanting us to see that even though the elders are saying to Jesus, this man is worthy. What does this man say about himself? He says, he sends another delegation, friends this time, Lord, do not trouble yourself for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. It's interesting, isn't it, that if you look back in Luke 6, we were in this teaching of Jesus using that illustration of what the log in your eye, the speck in a neighbor's eye. Here is this non-Jew, this Gentile, this man outside of Israel, seeing, as it were, the log in his eye. I am not worthy. Jesus, you're worthy. I'm not worthy. He is approaching Jesus in what? In humility. Think. Think what is being represented here by the elders. This man is worthy, Jesus, for you to help him. Jesus, I'm not worthy. In fact, don't even come to my house, but, but we see not only his humility, but his trust. I don't presume to come to you, but say the word 
and let my servant be healed. Say the word and let my servant be healed. And then he goes on to explain it, to illustrate it with the reality that he as a centurion is a man under authority and a man who has authority. And he uses that illustration of of what soldiers under him do. They go and they come based on his command. And he says, do this, and they do it. He's a man who understands authority. And what has he heard about Jesus? Not just that he could heal, but he's a man with authority. And if, he, if, if some of the things he's heard about what is going on in the ministry of Jesus, it is this man has an authority that is approaching the divine. And he submits to Jesus, right? Just say the word. Just say the word and let my servant be healed. He submits, as it were, to the expertise of Jesus, right? Expertise has gotten a bad reputation these days, right? There's even a book out there called The Death of Expertise, where everybody, courtesy of the internet, can be their own expert. But this man, this centurion, knows he's got to go to the expert, the one who can heal he humbly approaches Jesus. He, he trusts Jesus and it is willing to submit to the word of Jesus. So we all have knowledge of Jesus, but let's ask ourselves today, what's our approach to Jesus? If you're honest and if I'm honest and you look in the mirror, you might say, Jesus, I am worthy for you to do this for me. I've attended church. I've given to the church, tried to be a good neighbor, tried to be a good person. Jesus, respond to my request. Or is your approach quite different? I'm not worthy in and of myself. I have no goodness to claim, as we sang a few minutes ago, but I'm trusting in who you are. I'm trusting in what you can do. You know, we're talking about a model of faith and, and Luke is presenting us with, with this, this centurion, a man far, as it were, from the promises, far from the covenants of Israel, and yet he's heard of Jesus, and based on what he's heard, what he knows, he's willing to go to Jesus humbly, to trust that Jesus can do what he can't do, and he submits to Jesus, the living word of God. Now, surely, this man is a model for us. But think about another model that we have. As Rob mentioned when we were preparing to sing, 
We're, we're headed toward Easter. We've got to get through Good Friday to Easter. And what did Jesus, fully human and fully divine, in the garden, approached his father humbly, not demanding, trusting and submitting? Would you, Father, take this away from me? Do I really have to go through it? Yet not my will, but your will be done. There's a model for us also of what it looks like to approach God humbly, trusting, submitting. So in telling us this story of Jesus healing the servant of the centurion, and look at verse 10 again. It's almost like an oh, by the way. At the word of Jesus, this man was healed. And one commentator, J.C. Ryle, the English Anglican bishop of the 1800s, said this is actually the biggest miracle in all of Scripture. Why? Jesus doesn't even have to come near doesn't even have to touch a single word from a distance. But even with the magnificence of the miracle, what draws our attention is the magnificence of the faith. The knowledge that this centurion has of Jesus, this humility that he has toward Jesus, this trust that he has toward Jesus and this willingness to submit to Jesus. You see, Luke is showing us what faith looks like. Not every aspect or every detail, to be sure, but enough, enough to know how someone should relate to Jesus, how someone should approach Jesus. What is faith? That's a really good and important question, isn't it? What is faith? We heard it earlier from Hebrews 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Think about the, uh, the centurion. What he is assured that Jesus can heal his servant. He, he is, has the conviction that even though he's not going to see Jesus, even though he knows Jesus, he won't be there, as it were, when Jesus gets to his house if he comes in, he knows he has a conviction of things not seen. He trusts in the person, in the work of this man, Jesus of Nazareth. Later in Luke, we'll get to it in a number of weeks in Luke 18. Jesus says this, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Now, that's a great question, too, that Jesus asked. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Our catechism helps us here. What is faith in Jesus Christ? Faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace whereby we receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he is offered to us in the gospel. We receive 
and we rest upon Jesus as he's offered to us in the gospel, the good news. And Luke is wanting us to better understand the good news of who Jesus is, what he came to do. In this picture of faith, we see a man recognizing his unworthiness, but also recognizing that God is able to accomplish all of his promises through this man, Jesus. Just yesterday, we were reading New Morning Mercies, the book, the devotional book by Paul Tripp. So yesterday, the 18th of March, at the end, it says this, biblical, he says this, biblical faith lives at the intersection of shocking honesty and glorious hope. Let me repeat that. Biblical faith lives at the intersection of shocking honesty and glorious hope. Do you see it here? The centurion is shockingly honest. I am not worthy. But glorious hope. But just say the word. Just say the word. As we walk by faith and not by sight, we really do need good examples of faith. Luke gives us one here in the story. The story of not just the healing of the centurion's servant, but the story of the centurion coming to Jesus, trusting Jesus, submitting to Jesus. You see, Luke is presenting not only to our ears, but to our eyes, an example, a good example, a needed example of what faith in Jesus Christ looks for. It looks like knowing what Jesus can do, and it looks like humbly approaching Jesus, trusting him, and living in submission to his word. So Luke here is giving us an example of the outsider coming to faith in Jesus. The one who's lost. Remember, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And we're seeing people lost in Luke. All kinds of people lost in all kinds of ways. So where are you today? What does your faith in Jesus look like? Our passage today provides us not only a mirror that we can look into and ask that question, what does my faith in Jesus look like today? But it also provides a window through which we can look and see the compassionate, merciful powerful Savior, Jesus. The centurion is exercising faith. Jesus is exercising authority. All authority and power has been given to him. And as we sang a few moments ago, every promise, we will stand on every promise, right? All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. 
My friends, he is the object of our faith. Let us approach Jesus humbly, trusting him, submitting to his will, his will that is for not only his own glory, but for our eternal good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you directed Luke to place this narrative account of Jesus' encounter with the centurion here for us on the heels of the Sermon on the Plain. Father, we do believe, but help our unbelief. Father, we right now may have weak faith or strong faith, but may it be, whether weak or strong, faith in Jesus. For we come to you and give thanks and pray in his name. Amen.